None of us like conflict or war, right? So if a country goes into some kind of conflict or war, lots of innocent people lose their lives. There's emotional and spiritual and mental, physical toll to war. So we do everything and anything to avoid conflict and war, right? That's what we do. Did you know that when you started to follow Jesus, you entered a war? That when you decided to put your trust in Jesus, you entered a conflict. You go, no, I didn't. I was looking for hope. I tried to find hope within myself. I tried to find hope within religion. And I couldn't find it there, so I put my hope in Jesus. He forgave me of my sins and gave me eternal life. Yes, 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 that's true. And also you entered a conflict, a war. Uh, It looks a little bit like this, childish, but look at this cartoon, right? I mean, this is kind of the old-fashioned, cartoony way to depict the fact that we have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on another, right? Kind of childish, maybe oversimplistic, but when we put our trust in Jesus, he puts his spirit inside us. The spirit of God lives in you and lives in me, and we have these sinful desires These feelings, temptations, they don't just go away when we put our trust in Jesus. We war against, there is conflict, the Spirit of God, against these desires that are traffic jammed within us. And you shouldn't believe me. You should believe the Bible. So turn in the Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're looking today. Galatians 5, 22 to 25. It's in the New Testament. Turn your on, open them up, paper copies. Love for you to follow along. And as you're going there, you know what I'm talking about, right? With this war, this conflict that happens inside us. Like you struggle with temptation, don't you? Am I the only one? I mean, do you struggle with shame over decisions you've made in the past, regrets that you wish you wouldn't have done that? Do you struggle with that? I do. I mean, how quick are you to get angry? I mean, some of us, our tempers flare up like this. How many times have you said, I won't drink anymore? I won't drug anymore. I won't smoke anymore. I won't look at pornography anymore. I won't masturbate anymore. I won't sleep around anymore. How many times have you made commitments that I won't be anxious anymore? I won't try to control my kids anymore. How many times have you said, I'll commit my life to follow you, Jesus. I won't give in to those desires or those feelings anymore. And you make that commitment and you set your mind and it works for like a week or maybe a day. And then subtly you slip and you fall and you find yourself again on the ground making commitments. I won't do it again, God. I won't do it again. Is this only me? It's all of us. It's a conflict between my desires and my God. I want to follow God, but I have these desires that I slide into fall, fall. And where it becomes a conflict that turns into a war is my sinful desires don't just impact me. They impact everyone else around me. Where it becomes a war is because I'm so stubborn, because I'm not willing to ask for help. 
because I won't get help. Not only am I dragged into pain and sorrow, I drag my family, I drag my friends, innocent others get the shrapnel of my bad decisions, my arrogance, my sin, impacts everyone around me, it's a war. But you have the Spirit of God living inside you. Is this the life God intended for us to live? That we war against these things and we give in and we slide into old patterns and we're ashamed and we fall down again? We say we'll never do it again, but we find ourselves doing it again and again and hurting more people, hurting ourselves. Is this what God intended? No, so much more. He has so much more for us. Look at familiar words, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit, translation, the spirit's living inside you, the evidence of that fruit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and his desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you've heard of the fruit of the Spirit, and you go, I, I want that. I want those fruits to be alive in me. I want those character traits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Those things, I want those to live in me. I want that to be my character, those to be the traits of my life. But why is it that that's not what I'm marked with? These things don't grow in my life. Do you struggle? Do you want God's spirit to grow these things in you? but you find yourself slipping and falling again and again and again. Join the club. It's a battle. Would you pray with me? God, we need you. Please help us. As sons and daughters of the living God, we want to please you. We want to live to honor you. We want these things to grow in us. We want to be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, but so many times we find ourselves marked by anything but these things. So Spirit of the living God, help me to get out of the way and would you emerge online among people listening here on campus, you would convict and comfort and guide and teach and lead us to the hope that we don't have to live lives of shame and sin and give in to our feelings, but we can, with confidence, bear the fruits of the spirit of goodness in our lives. Only you can teach us this and guide us this into this today. So do your job. We look for you to accomplish your good purposes in us right now through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey, one of the ways you can look at the fruit of the Spirit is these words actually describe Jesus. It's like if you look at Jesus, you look at his life, he represents every attribute, every fruit. He's joyful and loving 
and patient and peaceful and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-control. And it's the Spirit of God that grew these attributes on the Son of God. In the life of Christ, the reason he bore this fruit is because the Spirit of God was alive in him. And the reason he was killed on a cross was because of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit was growing in him, and people go, I hate that. Let's kill that perfect guy. That's a little more complex than that. But seriously, because he was the perfect son of God who bore these fruits, he was nailed to a cross and placed into a tomb. On the third day, the Spirit of God rose the Son of God from the dead. He proved the payment of sin on the cross and rose to new life so that when you and me put our trust in Jesus, our sins are forgiven, they're removed as far as the east is from the west and his spirit lives inside us, not to just give us eternal life, but to bear these fruits in this life now. That we, instead of being hateful people, we would be loving. Instead of being bitter people, the spirit of God wants to bring about joy. Instead of chaos, the Spirit of God brings peace in our lives. We're to be patient instead of controlling, good instead of evil, faithful instead of sporadic, gentle instead of harsh, self-controlled instead of erratic. The Spirit of God can build this, grow these things in us. So if you're a Christ follower today, if that's all true, why am I not these things? I mean, if this is true, he puts his spirit inside me to do this, why am I not joyful or peaceful or patient or kind, good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled? Why aren't these things growing? I, I want to look more like Jesus, but I fall short all the time. Why? It's because of this conflict, right? Spirit of God is living inside me, but I have these desires, these sinful desires that war against me. Before I can ever get to fully understanding the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life, I must acknowledge this war. I must acknowledge this conflict. I mean, right before Paul describes the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, look at what he says in verse 16. So he says, fruits of the Spirit in verse 22. Look at verse 16. Paul says to Christ followers, to you and me, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen to the language he's going to use. It's war, conflict language. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want to slow down in verse 19. Listen, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. He's talking about our sexual condition. The way the Bible describes sexual immorality is any sexual pleasure outside of marriage between one man and one woman is sexual immorality. He's saying that's an act of the flesh. He says idolatry and witchcraft, which is pointing to false gods, that we put our hope in false gods and in evil. We pursue evil. Sometimes we try to be God 
in other people's lives. He says, that's an act of the flesh. Then he says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Modern translation, you're a bunch of drama kings and queens. Your relationships are marked by envy and dissension and hatred and conflict. This is an act of the sinful nature. He says, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Your life is marked with a party lifestyle. You just do whatever you feel like doing whenever. Party all the time. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's describing the war that's inside of me. And it's inside of you. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit, the part of me that wants to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, I don't care what you think, I don't care what you say, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what anyone thinks, I will do whatever the heck I want, whenever I want, that's my flesh, my sinful desire. But if I put my trust in Jesus, the spirit of God lives inside of me now. And the Spirit of God wants me to obey and to follow, to listen and to know that all the commands are good and right for me. They bring me health and joy and peace and love. But there's this conflict between my insides and what I feel and the Spirit of God. And it's more than that. It's also a conflict because what's going on inside me matches up what's going on in our culture. Does anyone in our culture say there's right and wrong? Does anyone in our culture say, follow the Bible, all those ancient truths? Follow your feelings. Don't follow what the Bible says. So not only is our insides at war with ourselves and the spirit, it's war with our culture. Everything is going this direction. And oh, by the way, the Bible teaches that we have an enemy called Satan who whispers in our ears and tells us, what's the big deal? What's one more drink, one more look, one more drug, one more gossip, one more racist slander? What's one more? What's the big deal? There's this conflict between the flesh and the spirit but it's against this backdrop of darkness and battle and conflict that Paul writes these beautiful words, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. So it's against this dark backdrop that the bright light of the goodness of God and what he wants us to be like and what his Spirit can produce in us, we draw this contrast between the darkness of my desires and my flesh, just giving in to whatever the heck I feel, and the goodness of God who has so much more for me than me giving in to my feelings. And I know most Christ followers, I talk to all of you, you're like me, I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to give in to my flesh or my feelings. Because not only when I give in do I find myself in a dark and often dirty place, I tend to drag other people with me. And I don't just hurt myself, I hurt others. I hurt my family. I hurt my friends. So what do we do with this war when nothing seems to change, when I keep sliding backwards and I stop following the Spirit of God? Did you notice the fruit of the Spirit is found in verse 22 and 23? And we often read those verses and go, oh, this is so great, I want this fruit of the Spirit. It's so cool, it's so cute, it's so nice. But we ignore verse 24, which reads, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you put your hope and trust in Jesus, you've crucified your flesh, is what Paul is saying. What, what does that mean? I mean, we know about the crucifixion, right? Jesus was nailed to a cross to pay for our sins. But Paul's saying, no, as a follower of Jesus, you too have crucified something. You too have crucified something. You know, crucifixion, could there be a worse kind of death? I mean, it's bloody, gory, nailed to a cross, gasping for breath, dying. Um, do you think you could nail someone to a cross and change your mind? Is nailed to the cross a pretty definitive death? Strap someone into an electric chair and hook up the lethal injection line. You don't change your mind after you strap someone in or nail them to a cross. It's final. It's done. And Paul's using this language to describe what Christ did when he was nailed to a cross our sins are dead and done, removed for as far as the east is from the west, past, present, and future, dead, done, gone. But he's saying, I want to draw an analogy to that dead, done, gone, to the crucifixion that has to take place in you and me. That when we put our trust in Jesus, it's my sin that cost Jesus' his life. So when I put my trust in Jesus, I also nail my sinful desires to the cross. It's a decision I make. Maybe you didn't know that was the decision you were making, but it cost Jesus his life. My sin, your sin, cost him his life. So now as a follower of Christ, I put those evil desires to death. They're dead and gone, crucified and nailed. Paul's saying, you crucified and nailed those sins to the cross when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But now, you're warring with that again? Now you're toying with this again? When these things are nailed to a cross, it clears the way for new life to grow. The new life of Goodness and joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness. All these things that we want grow on the ground of, I put this to death first. This is dead. And in that space, the Spirit of God grows these incredible attributes. Hear that again. It was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And when I say no to all of those things, that's when love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control can grow. This is so hopeful. The old is gone and the new comes. That my old desires fall away and in its place the Spirit of God grows new things. So if that's true, why do I still fight so much with these old desires? Why do I struggle and why is there so much tension and wrestling? Here's one reason why. Are you ready? When I play with my sinful desires nailed to the cross, I start a war all over again. When I play, when I toy, 
when I nurse, when I coddle, when I have time to say, oh, look at this sin again, it starts another war inside me. The Spirit is like, that's dead and gone. Jesus paid for that. You nailed it to the cross when you said yes. And now you're playing with that again? I thought it was final. I thought it was dead. The conflict inside most of us is often that we're toying with sin and we're not taking it seriously. We're playing games. Oh, it's not that bad. I mean, God will forgive me, right? I mean, if I, if I touch that again or look at that again or drink that again, it, I mean, it's just once. If I say that again or think that again, you know, God knows it's not my real desire, and we justify, 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 justify playing games with sin. I'll just worry a little bit tonight, and I'll just stay up all night worried about my kids, and I'll think that's okay, instead of going, no, that's sin of control where you're playing God, and that cost Jesus his life, and you're messing with it? as if this is a game, just a little worry or anxiety. Instead of saying no, pornography and addiction and gossip and racism and sexism, slander, stealing, these are all the things that cost Jesus his life and then you wonder as you play with these things why the fruit of the spirit isn't growing. You, you wonder why you're coddling and playing with sin that you're not loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and gentle and kind and self-controlled? Because it's in the death of these things that life comes and the Spirit grows these things. And if God's Spirit is in you right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That there's spots in your heart, in my heart right now, where instead of saying that is dead and gone, I'm playing games. I'm negotiating with God. What's the big deal? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Those are the things that were nailed to the cross and I'm at the cross playing with them. I'm trying to keep these sins alive. And again, I wonder why I don't feel God's peace and joy and love and patience. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5, 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Do you think Jesus is playing with sin? or dealing with it severely. I mean, people will say, this must be hyperbole. He doesn't really mean pluck out my eye, does he? Or maybe he does. Because if this sin that I'm pursuing would cost me eternal life, then I better rather have not have an eye. If heaven and hell are real, and life and death and forgiveness, and I can really hurt other people with my eyes and with my hands, then whatever the cost or the consequence, it's worth it to gain eternity and to bear the fruit of the Spirit in this life. I think what Jesus' point is 
to pluck your eyes or cut your hands. I think it is to deal decisively and drastically with your sin at whatever the cost. It will cost. See, we don't like that. We just want the fruits of the Spirit. And just give me forgiveness, God. We don't want the cost. We don't want the hardship of saying, no, I will not touch, taste, pursue, do that any longer. That is what killed my Savior. I'm done with it. We don't want that cost. So we wonder again why we don't bear this fruit in our lives, because we're unwilling to pay the cost. You see, it costs Jesus his life to put to death sin, and it will cost you too to say no to grow the goodness of God. Galatians 5.24 again says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's the bad news, right? But here's the good news, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is a beautiful invitation. It's put to death and now walk forward. I mean, it's an invitation to continue our lives with the Spirit of God. You see, it's the Spirit of God that showed you your sin in the first place. It's the Spirit of God that shows you that Jesus loved you and you're forgiven. It's the Spirit of God that will help you say no to sin and put it to death and yes to walking with God. I need the Spirit of God to help me to leave my sins nailed to the cross dead and to walk forward with the Spirit. So instead of warring with my desires, he says, walk with the Spirit. See the invitation there? Instead of warring with that desire, which is dead and gone, walk with the Spirit. When you're warring, you're not walking. When you're playing games and giving in and following and listening and justifying, you're not walking. But if you choose to leave that dead and gone and walk with the Spirit, you walk into new life. Jesus has a similar invitation in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The cross that you're taking up, is that the cross that paid for your sins? No, Jesus did that. What cross are you to pick up daily? The one that has your sin, your temptation nailed to it that says no more. I'm not walking that way anymore. I'll carry it daily. I will say no because, Jesus, you are my victor and my champion. I will leave that dead. I will walk forward with you. I will follow you, whatever the cost or the consequence. It's a daily decision to do new life. So my advice to you, this is heavy stuff. I get it. If you came into the doctor's office, the doctor would write a prescription. Here's my prescription for you, and it's not easy, but it's important. We don't want to hear this, but we need to fulfill this prescription. Are you ready? Stop playing with sin. Stop treating these things with casualty. Casualty? Casually. Stop playing with sin and treating it casually as if it's not a big deal. It cost Jesus his life. My gossip, my slander, my anxiety, my addiction, my anger cost Jesus his life. 
And I'm going to play with it. Oh, it's not a big deal. God will forgive me. I'll control the outcomes. I'll worry. I'll maneuver. maneuver. I'll passive aggressive. As if that didn't cost Jesus his life. And I'm playing with it. See, if you play with sin, it will cost you your life too. It may not cost you your eternal life because once you put your trust in Jesus, your eternal life is secured forever no matter how much you botch it this side of heaven. I mean, it's wonderful and free in God's grace. But if you play with sin, it will cost you your peace. It will cost you hope. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you your family. It will cost you your integrity. It will cost you your character, your witness. It will cost you your joy. But if you just give in and follow culture and follow feelings and think it won't cost, it will cost. It will. Maybe you're hearing some of this for the first time and you feel overwhelmed, you feel ashamed, you feel the weight of your sin. Man, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, today is that day. If you feel the war of your sin and shame and you go, I have no hope to deal with this weight, Jesus is your hope. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved from the weight of that sin and shame. You can right now talk to God and say to him, I need you. Enter my life. And he'll come in and clean you up and give you his Holy Spirit. Man, don't mess with that. If that's you today, put your trust in Jesus today. But maybe you came in here today and you've been a follower of Jesus for weeks or years or decades, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're messing with sin. You're justifying and coddling and toying and playing. Maybe today's the day the Holy Spirit works inside you to say no more. That's crucified, that's dead. You've been trying to kill it on your own, but the Bible says walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful flesh. Not walk by yourself. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify these desires. So maybe today is the day that you decide, I'm going to start walking with the help of the Spirit and invite him into my temptation. Invite him into my war that's going on and saying, you know, God, this war, you know this conflict, you know I wanna follow you, but I slip and fall all the time. Would you help me, Spirit of God? Would you give me comfort and peace and guidance and purity? Maybe today is the day you decide, I'm going to walk with the Spirit. And you might go, I want to do that, but I don't know how. It's also the day that maybe you ask for help and say, I don't know how to walk by the Spirit. So you're gonna stop by guest services. You're gonna leave here and go to the prayer room. You're gonna send an email to our church. You're gonna chat online right now with whoever's hosting. And you're gonna say, I need help. I know my sin has been crucified, but I'm toying and playing with it, but I don't know how to walk with the Spirit. So would you help me, Faith Church? And we have all kinds of resources to help people like you and me to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Maybe today is the day you're going to say, with the Holy Spirit's help, I'm going to kill my sin and I'm going to grow goodness. He's going to do it in you. This can happen. This isn't just a pipe dream. This is reality. 
God hasn't brought you this far to leave you now. He wants to help you grow the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to guide you and help you, but you have to make a decision, a decision today. Am I gonna play with my sin or am I gonna kill it? It's a choice and you invite the Spirit of God into it. Maybe today is the day you chat with someone online, you stop by the prayer room again, you tell a friend that I've been playing with sin and I'm making a decision today to stop playing with sin and to invite the Spirit of God, to walk with the Spirit of God, keep in step with the Spirit of God, follow my King through death into new life, a life of joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those things can grow in you, but something has to die first. Are you willing? Are you willing to put it to death? Because in that space, new life grows. Would you pray with me? God, these are heavy truths. It's easy to want the fruit of the Spirit, to want joy and peace, patience and faithfulness. It's easy to want these things. So oftentimes we're not willing to put to death what cost you your life, to say no to our feelings, to say no to our temptations, and to invite your spirit to do what we can't do. We can't modify our behavior. We can't change our circumstances. But you, God of the universe, you can help us. With your help, we can do all things. With your help, we can leave things behind and pursue new life. So please humble us, show us our sin, show us the goodness of your spirit, forgive us, and help us that we might be marked by the goodness of God and no longer spending our entire life warring against the goodness of God. Please help us, you can do this, we trust you. We love you. We need you. I pray this all in the victorious name of Christ. Amen.